80 million people is a good percentage of the country that's pre-diabetic. And then a lot of people are sort of hovering right below that. And people don't realize that once your blood sugar starts climbing, you start getting advanced glycation end products in your skin. When people eat fast food and fried food and they eat all those fried carbohydrates, you get advanced glycation end products in your skin. So you get these things that attach to the collagen and elastin and they break it down and they cause you to age faster. To me, this whole like sugar, anti-sugar revolution is so powerful in that we need to focus on getting people who won't care about the inside to care about the outside because we know that most people are superficial and are actually more obsessed with beauty than they are about health. So I think that like one of the hooks we can get people to get healthier is like get everyone off of sugar and flour. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Black Belt Beauty Radio. Today's guest is a remarkable woman by the name of Dr. Molly Maloof. I'm so psyched to have Molly on the podcast, you guys. Not only because she's an incredible wealth of knowledge and total badass in the field of medicine, but also because she's a passionate, driven woman who's creating from a place of integrity, strong purpose, and vision. Molly is a concierge medical doctor based out of San Francisco. She is the head of medical science at Sano, which is also in San Francisco. She is an entrepreneur who is developing healthy beauty products for both men and women. So exciting. And she's about to launch a podcast, which I cannot wait to just go down rabbit holes listening to her talk because this woman knows her business. Her focus in medicine is not just how to cure illness, but rather how to optimize health. And you would think that that's something that is maybe common in medicine fields, but it's not. It's actually not. We're moving in that direction. And it's because of doctors like Molly who are on the forefront and helping to develop ways for it to be this philosophy and this type of practice to be more accessible to the masses, which is a vision of Molly's that she's working on. And I have no doubt that she will accomplish her vision, her mission. So this conversation is so fun, you guys. I mean, I'm so grateful to be friends with Molly now. She's a new friend. You know, that was one of the things that I, in addition to aligning with her perspective in health and her practice, when I first discovered her over the Mind Pump podcast, You know, I felt alignment to her authenticity, to her passion, to her focus, and just to the kind of woman that she is. She's a high performer, for sure. So, you know, this conversation is like girl talk. We talk about a lot of fun things aside from health and what she's got going on that she's creating and passionate about. And I think that you're really going to love it. So that is my hope. I'm going to hit play and let you drop into this really fun, really informative conversation with my friend, total badass, Dr. Molly Maloof. Molly, thank you so much for being on Black Belt Beauty Radio. I am so psyched to have you on as a guest. Thank you. You're so welcome. So you're kind of known as the biohacking doctor, which I think is so rad and and appropriate. Can you give our listeners a bit of your background and how you came to be where you are right now? Yeah. Well, I guess it all really started in medical school when I dramatically changed my lifestyle because I was really miserable. And I was starting to tweak different things like my sleep and my exercise and my stress. 
management and my meal timing and caffeine consumption and, and all these changes led to dramatic improvements in my performance. So I think my entire life actually I've been interested in biohacking. I mean, I started using supplements in high school. So I guess it goes further back than medical school, but really I've just been in this sort of relentless pursuit for improvement. And I think it's like a fairly American thing to do, but with the caveat that like perfectionism isn't healthy, but I think understanding how our body works and trying to optimize our different functions to live a long and healthy life is a pretty healthy pursuit. Absolutely. Yeah. I always say I'm pretty much addicted to progress. (laughs) It's kind of the same thing. But, you know, never judging, just really appreciating that there's always room to grow. And I think that biology is, it's like the place to start, right? I believe that firmly. And so I'm a total geek about all this, this subject. So again, I'm so psyched to geek out with you right now on on all of this. Can you kind of describe what your practice, like what you specialize in? Sure. So you can't go to residency for optimizing health right now as it stands. Okay. You can really only go to residency for any type of board certification for disease. So basically the medical system really is structured as a sickness billing industrial complex. Mm -hmm. So halfway through my residency, I decided I was going to do something incredibly rebellious and go out on my own, start my own practice, start working with tech companies and start learning how to do medicine my way. And my way in my mind was what if I could create a practice that makes people as healthy as possible rather than just not sick? So I got really interested in what was health made of? Like, how do we really define what health is? And this was many years ago. This is before the Google Baseline Project. This is before a lot of these big tech companies have started to sort of catch on to this movement. But I've always been wondering, you know, why don't we have a system for making people healthier, not just making people better from not sick? So I met some amazing doctors working in San Francisco and Silicon Valley who taught me how to do laboratory tests and interpret them in a more nuanced fashion. Rather than just looking for a diagnostic criteria, we were looking for aberrations from normal so that we could figure out how is a person aging and how can we get them to improve their body as they get older rather than just medicate them for different problems that they have. So that's really where my practice kind of emerged from. And really, I do kind of two main things in my practice. I do personalized medical research for really weird, complex cases of people who just haven't seemed to find out what's really wrong with them. And then they just need a big research project. And the other one is people who want to be as healthy as possible, but you know want to have a more systematic fashion of getting there. So we'll do metabolomics, clinical chemistry markers, we'll do hormone testing, we'll do immune testing, we'll do continuous glucose monitoring. We'll do things like continuous heart rate variability monitoring. We'll do genetics. And all these things will tie together into understanding the body from a systems biology perspective so that we can understand what can be changed so that a person can feel better and better every day. That's so rad. Yeah. I often refer to the body just exactly as is. it's a system. So I love that yeah. you just said that right now because it really it's a system is. Of systems. Exactly. It, it really is. And everything is so connected. And I think that A lot of people don't view it that way, but when we start to look at it that way, I think that we get better answers and we can live more optimally. My personal goal is I love long, I'm I'm super passionate about longevity and not just, Mm -hmm. you know, living a long life, but like having more robust years of health in the long life that I get to live, being cognitively on fucking fire when I'm 80 years old. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. 
Yeah. So how do we do that? And that's something that drives me every day. So again, you know, and I know just from following you and listening to, actually, I discovered you through Mind Pump. Shout out to the boys. Cool. I fucking love those guys. Yeah. yeah. And after, after both those podcast episodes, I was like, this woman, I got it. <laughs> I've been following you and been a fan ever since. And your stories are, are so wonderful. So I love pushing you out there. <laughs> yeah. It's, you're important. So um, Thank you. Yeah, totally. So can you? I mean, t- I want to. I want to make a point to that. By the way, so yeah. what you're really asking for is health span, yes. lifespan, and longevity. I mean, living to 80 is not what most longevity people want. They want to live to 150. Now, I actually could care less exactly how many years I'm here. I want those years to be high quality, and by high quality, I mean I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be falling apart. I don't want to be like my grandparents. Frankly, my grandparents slowly deteriorated over many years and it's just not the way I want to go. I want to be alive and vital and kicking and just as energetic as I am now. And I know people who are like this, who are older, I know that they exist. So I don't understand why more people don't ask for this, you know, and invest in their health when they're young so that they can age better when they're older. Oh man, I love that so much. And I'm in so much alignment with that. I think it's just this kind of conception that most people have at this point that you get older and you kind of fall apart and then you go away but it's not I'm 40 years old chronologically I have not tested my telomeres but I'm pretty fucking sure I'm kicking the clock's ass you know just for the simple fact of like how I wake up feeling every day and what I'm able to like my output you know every single day and and then there's like the aesthetic aspect where it's like wrinkles which I'm so excited to get into that part with you because I love how much (laughs) you're wrapped up in beauty and yeah there's a lot to cover in that space too but it's totally possible if you want it to be possible and I love that you you know you are an advocate of that yeah I love it so much sure so can you tell me what you're super excited about right now in health optimizing and biology? I guess one of the things that I'm really excited about, and not to plug my own work right now, but Please I do. have, I mean, I've really honed in my diet over the last few years to the point where I'm really good about sugar, to the point where like I'm really, really minimizing it. And I do fall off the wagon occasionally, but I get right back on and really lowering my blood sugar has improved my skin so much. Like really keeping my blood sugar much, much lower than it was two years ago. Like people who haven't seen me in a couple of years, they come to me and they're like, what are you doing differently? Like you're, you look younger than we saw you last. Yeah. And that is such a good feedback because typically when people see you every day, they can't really tell the difference of how you look. But when people haven't seen you for a while, they tell you how much younger you look. You're like, okay, I'm doing something right. And I think the biggest shift in my life in the last two years has been around sugar and around blood sugar monitoring. So I have been working with continuous blood glucose monitoring to optimize blood sugar so that I get it lower than the average values for most Americans, which basically most people are hovering towards prediabetes or are pre-diabetic. 80 million people is a good percentage of the country that's pre-diabetic. And then a lot of people are sort of hovering right below that. And people don't realize that once your blood sugar starts climbing, you start getting advanced glycation end products in your skin when people eat fast food and fried food and they eat all those fried carbohydrates, you get advanced glycation end products in your skin. So you get these things that attach to the collagen and elastin and they break it down and they cause you to age faster. To me, this whole like sugar, anti-sugar revolution is so powerful in that we need to focus on getting people who won't care about the inside to care about the outside because we know that most people are superficial and are actually more obsessed <laughs> with beauty than they are about health. 
So I think that like one of the hooks we can get people to get healthier is like get everyone off of sugar and flour. And like that's my mission right now with this company called Sano Intelligence that I work with. I'm head of medical science there. I work there a couple days a week and I'm basically programming, working with the head of product to program this app to interpret your blood with sugar in real time so that we can show you how your things affect your body so that you don't have to wait for years to go by before you make changes. And so I'm just totally over the moon about this stuff. That's so exciting. Is it true that we have, like the healthy human would have less than a teaspoon of sugar in our blood? Is that correct to say it that way? Uh, I don't know. I have not, I've never actually heard that, so I'd have to like go got through it. this and validate it. Okay. But most people would be healthier and would survive longer if they had lower blood sugar. Yeah. People think that hypoglycemia is this like terrifying thing that you should fear. What's often thought to be hypoglycemia is actually reactive hypoglycemia, which means people are eating too many refined carbs, too much sugar, spiking their blood sugar, and then dropping it quickly because of the increased insulin output. And like that's actually what people are complaining of, not actually low blood sugar. Like the number of people who actually suffer from truly low blood sugar as a pathology mm-hmm. is exceptionally small. And and I'm not talking about type 1s because they're a whole other ballgame, but you know, I have this client who came to me for health optimization. He was an older guy. And I told him, I'm like, look, your continuous blood glucose monitoring is telling me that you really do have blood sugar abnormalities and you're, you're going to end up with a problem if you don't do something about this. He went to his doctor. His doctor said, yeah, nope, your hemoglobin A1C is fine. Nothing to worry about. But I'm looking at the actual continuous data and he, the doctor's looking at one point in time of an average of a bunch of numbers. Mm-hmm. So he comes back to me in a year. And he says, why is my skin so much older? He's like, I don't know what's going on. My skin has aged so much in a year. And I'm like, look, it's your blood sugar. And, you know, not everybody is convinced, but I know for a fact that this would be a more powerful tool for anti-aging than anything you can put on your skin. I believe that. And yet it's totally ignored, you know, by a lot of people. They just refuse to admit it. And they refuse to believe. And they go off and they eat these gluten-free, flour-based foods thinking that they're healthy and it's just not. Right. Flour turns to sugar in your blood. And I don't think that really like refined flour belongs in most people's diets. Oh, man. I so agree with that. And as a, you know, I'm a celebrity makeup artist, right? So my job is perfecting the external, right? Making sure that my sure. clients look amazing. And, you know, but at the same time, everyone who knows me knows that I start from the inside. And again, I'll go back to myself as an example. I mean, I, everyone's going to do what they want to do in their life. But like, Botox and all that stuff. Like, it's not my thing, right? It's never been my thing. And my diet doesn't have, I mean, blueberries are the source of sugar. And that's it pretty much for me. Mm-hmm. And this has been the case for a long time now. And I don't have wrinkles, truly. And there you go. Yeah. And it's so, you know, a lot of people say this. <laughs> it's so true. And that's why, again, I love when I see your stories and you're, it's like, yes, girl, yes. This is, I'm living it. And I see other people living it too who live a similar lifestyle. But, One thing that people often say is like, oh, but you have good genes. It's like, well, wait, hold on. Do you know what gene expression is? If you're not upregulating these genes, if you're not helping these genes help you, then it doesn't even matter if you have great genes. Is that valid to say? I'm just going to give an example. There's a lot of genetic studies that do show that there is a pretty large component of aging that is genetic. But just looking at my family Mm -hmm. and looking at my sisters and looking at just how we are all aging. Like, look at my mom. My mom most definitely is aging exceptionally well. But the question is, is like, given your genetic 
lottery, like, or sorry, not lottery, but given your, you know, what you were given genetically. Yeah. The question is, is how much better can you express those genes by the way you live? And I have really good skin. I don't have very many wrinkles. I actually feel like my skin emits more light than most people. And that, and, but that's skin autofluorescence, by the way, that's the whole scientific discussion. (laughs) Yeah. We can talk about that next. But like, I look at my sisters and my family and I'm like, how much better could you guys look? Because they look great, by the way. They did, they look really good. But the question is, is how much better can you look, given the genes that you have, if you were to do things like not eat a lot of sugar? Yeah. It's like about what you were individually given. And I mean, I mean I'm looking at your, your Instagram, and you really have an incredible skin. Thank you. Like, you're in Ditto. sick shape. Thank you were you. in, like, ridiculous shape. Like, I'm <laughs> impressed. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, I really feel good and I love being, it's not a, hey, everybody look at me. I'm actually a fucking introvert and it's not easy for me, but people would trip out on that too. They don't, they don't really think that, but I do love, first of all, sharing my age because, you know, a lot of people think 40 is like, oh, you're already like, it's already like you're, you're decreasing in your value and you're, you know, you're yeah. on your way out kind of thing. Right. And I'm like, okay, let me just say one thing. Fuck that please. shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am honestly, and I say this so shamelessly, not only do I feel, but I know I look the sexiest I ever have in my entire life. I'm blowing doors on my 20 year old self, like hands uh-huh. down, no question about it. And it's so exciting because I feel like it's just beginning. Like I'm just tapping into this, mm-hmm. you know, process or I don't know how to frame it necessarily but just this like yeah I'm just I'm tapping into this kind of higher version of myself and every day kind of reaching for more of it without with always like full appreciation for where I'm at it's not it's never a oh you're not good enough it's like ooh, you're kicking ass you're doing great see what you can produce tomorrow see what you can create tomorrow see what you can add to yourself tomorrow it's that like beautiful dance right and I so yeah, thank you for saying that. I feel the same way about you, truly. And so it's, and I think that it's so, I feel very empowered and I do, that's the energy that I receive from, you know, witnessing you, that you are a very empowering, empowered woman. And mm. I think that so many more women have the ability to access this energy within themselves. It's just a matter of, first of all, believing And then, or maybe it's desiring and then believing. And then there's, you know, the process that you need to definitely commit to. So that's, it's cool to hear you say that. Let me ask you about this. Cause I I mean, like, no, please go go ahead. What were you going to say? No, 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 no. Keep going. You keep talking. I was going to say, look at Priyanka Chopra. She's like 36 and she's marrying a guy 25. Like, I'm so, like, I think that. that, I just think it's great. I think it's so great. I think it, t- I mean, listen, I don't care about traditions, societies, ideas. Like, I'm a very autonomous woman, and anyone yeah. who fucking knows me knows that. So, <laughs> live your best Great. life. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm all about it. I wanted to talk to you a bit about fasting because I know that you've been, you know, that's been something that's been very active for you recently. Sure. Oh, yeah. We have so much to say. I have so much to tell you about. Yeah. Well, like, I would love to hear just if we freestyle, go for it. Fasting, intermittent okay. fasting. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so I got really into fasting because I was dating this guy who had lost like 85 pounds. Fasting, and I was like, damn, like he literally looks like a different human being. He is not the same person. Now we're not dating anymore for a variety of reasons, but he was like challenging me to try this. And I was like, you know what? I love a good challenge. I'm ready to try this thing. So I, I actually really felt like fasting brought me a ton of really great benefits. Like 
but with there's some caveats, okay? So mm-hmm. first of all, I started out researching health span because I was like, how do we live for as long as possible, as healthy as possible? And one of the theories that I have is that metabolism is inherently aging because of oxidative stress. Right. And no matter what you do, you're gonna make exhaust fumes when you burn fuel, and that's just the way that life is, okay? Mm-hmm. So, but what fasting is doing is basically like, like it actually is just like, it is turning down your metabolism temporarily. Now, there's, there's arguments for, so like a short-term fast can actually boost metabolism, a long-term fast will actually turn it down. Hmm. So there's like a, there's a delicate balance between fasting and meta- metabolic rate, but the point is, is that fasting does a thing called autophagy. So it takes out the garbage of your cells, it improves the overall function of your body, it is great for reducing inflammation and oxidative stress, it's great for reducing lipids, it's great for reducing blood sugar, all sorts of benefits. And the reason why I got into it is A, because I wanted the you know, psychological challenge, but B, I have a family history of Alzheimer's, cancer, of autoimmunity, and hypertension and high cholesterol and I was like doing all this research on fasting and I discovered that holy crap it lowers the risk of all of those things so I was like this is kind of important I should probably know about this so I started experimenting with it and you know I have a tendency to be slightly intense with my experiments and so instead of it just being this like oh let's go intermittent fast it was like okay I did a 16 hour fast I can do a 20 hour fast I can do a 24 hour fast I can do a 48-hour fast. I can do a 52-hour fast. I can do a 63-hour fast. I can do two 72-hour fasts two weeks in a row. Okay, I'm going to go back to 24. And I was just like doing these prolonged and extended fasts back and forth for like the course of a three month, three months. And so some of the benefits that I got from this were dramatically better gut health, like mm-hmm. ability to digest dairy like better than ever, Ability to digest beans again, ability to, I, I had much improved skin. My skin would just glow when I would do these tasks. I definitely improved my resilience to stress. Like, one of the, my goals at the beginning of the year was I wanted to be more emotionally stable during stressful times. Mm-hmm. And I think that fasting puts, a, it's like a synthetic stress. So you're like giving yourself a, you're giving yourself a hormetic dose of stress so that you can handle more when right. stress hits you. So I got more self discipline, I got lower cholesterol, I got lower fasting glucose. Lots of benefits, right? Mm-hmm. But now for the harms, okay? So my period went from on the dot, 28 days regular to fairly irregular. It was like mm-hmm. either a week too early or a week too late. And that was not happy, uh, not not so, so great. So fortunately, I'm not trying to have a baby right now, but if I were, mm-hmm. definitely recommend it. So I really would not recommend fasting for someone who's trying to get pregnant or for somebody who is pregnant or nursing because fasting sends a signal to your body that there's a famine. And so... What it's doing is like gearing up your body to like get you ready for survival, not necessarily what you want to do if you're trying to have a baby. I love yeah, that. Baby, baby. I love. Sorry, I cut you off because I just wanted to tell yeah. you that that was a question because I don't really hear people talking about fasting and fertility. You know, for some, for a woman who's trying to conceive, is fasting good? And I do want to ask you about the difference in, you know, well, intermittent fasting. Does that apply? Still? Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. For people who have insulin resistance and polycystic ovarian disorder, mm-hmm. it's a totally different story. They actually benefit dramatically from things that lower insulin resistance, and fasting is a really good way to do that. You can also try a keto diet. You can also try a low-carb diet. Mm-hmm. But people who have insulin resistance are going to have problems ovulating, and they are the ones who benefit the most from this kind of behavior for their fertility. But if you have normal insulin resistance and normal 
and you don't have PCOS, mm-hmm. it's a totally different story. Like if you're now, if you're obese and you're overweight, there's a really good chance that you have insulin resistance. So it really depends on how metabolically healthy you are. So for someone like me who was metabolically healthy going into this, I think that's what suppressed my hormone. Of somebody who has dealt with, you know, these hormonal dysfunctions, there is some evidence that can actually boost fertility to lower blood sugar. So it really depends on the individual. That makes total sense. And so just to go back, I mean, intermittent fasting, and maybe you can kind of, I know it's like a hot word, but if you don't mind, maybe you can kind of break it down exactly what it means. Because I know that a lot of people will, oh, I'm intermittent fasting, but then they have like a 400 calorie coffee with like a bulletproof coffee <laughs> or yeah. something. Can you can you explain, first of all, what that is? And then maybe, you know, go back to if intermittent fasting could, if, it, if the same thing applies basically to what you just said for sure. women trying. Okay. Well, there's like so many different ways to break this down, but <laughs> so, so intermittent fasting, most people are doing like 16-8 fasting, which means they're fasting for 16 hours and they're eating in an eight-hour window. That means that they're basically starting from like 7 p.m. to 11 a.m. And generally speaking, a real fast means you're not consuming anything with calories. There are people who do a little bit of coconut oil or coconut milk or fat in their coffee in the morning, but it's probably not making that big of a difference in metabolism, but it is metabolically active. Right. So people like Rhonda Patrick would say that it's not a true fast, but right. generally speaking, like what I consider to be like a way to measure this is you can use ketones or you can use blood sugar monitoring and you can just see where your blood sugar is and where your ketones are and you'll know if you're flipping the metabolic switch. So that's something that a lot of researchers are talking about these days. Metabolic flexibility mm-hmm. is when you, you shift over from glycolytic metabolism to fat metabolism. So that happens at around 16 to 24 hours, depending on how much you exercise. And it depends on the individual's metabolism. So if you're eating a bunch of fat in your coffee in the morning, the main problem with that is that you're not really burning your own fat, you're actually just burning the fat that you're eating. So even though you are technically flipping the metabolic switch, mm-hmm. you may not be getting all the benefits because you're using fuel. So I think part of the benefits of, of metabolic flexibility come from the actual burning your own fat as fuel. Mm-hmm. And that's te- and so 16-8 fasting tends to be one of the easiest ways to get to this point. I know Rhonda Patrick tends to do like 14-hour fasts on a regular basis because she, I think she kind of goes with this. There's just one um, circadian rhythm researcher yeah. at the Salt Institute. Yeah. Uh, Sanjay Panda, I think is his name. Sashi Panda, anyway, yeah. Yeah. Sashi Panda, yeah. So like he... He's all about 14-hour fasting, but he also is doing tons of research and all these other fasts. So, mm-hmm. so like, I think 16-day fasting is best for most people who are trying to preserve lean body mass. That's why it's pretty popular in bodybuilding, you know, groups. Yes. That's what I tend to do. And then there's, yeah, and then there's things like 24 fasting, which is, like, 20 hours for a fasting window. There's, like, the OMOD people. There's the 24-hour fasting where it's, like, you just eat one, you eat a meal, and then you fast for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I think that... For most people, there's some really amazing stories of women online who have like lost significant weight just like 36-hour fasts every other day, mm-hmm. but they have tended to be fairly obese starting out. So I think that one of the problems with some of these extended fasts, and, and I'm going to admit this on my, on my own, yeah. this is my own experience, I started feeling some obsessions around food coming up pretty obviously with mm-hmm. the longer fast that I was doing. Where I was just like, I would hit my 24-hour point and I would just start 
obsessing over food. Like, but that what I did learn was that I could actually turn that obsession into energy towards my work. So I would just funnel that energy into my work. So I would actually become like really, really productive. Yeah. And I have found that like, I tend to be more productive at work when I do extend my fasts longer into the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually starting, but the thing is, is that most people are not going to get those benefits unless they're fat adapted. So right. a, a lot of women are just eating too many carbs, like and by carbs, I mean refined carbs and sugar. Right. Uh, I'm not anti-carb. I'm not on the anti-carb crusade. I have problems with people eating too much flour and sugar in the form of pastries, pies, crackers, cookies, cereals, pancakes, waffles, pizzas, all the crap that's in our diet that's causing us to get sick. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Those think- are the carbs that people should be eating. Yeah, I think that carb got such a bad reputation and most people don't even really know what, you know, the difference is. And that's why oftentimes, like, when I'm expressing things to my audience, I I always say low glycemic carb. I I feel like that's maybe an easy way to kind of frame it. Yeah, yeah. Because carbs are important for lots of different reasons. Yep. That's actually a good segue to, I would love to know your thoughts on the ketogenic diet. It's obviously another kind of trending, you know, a lot of people. Yeah, and especially... So one part, your thoughts on the diet, and then also your thoughts on the diet for women in particular, because I do, I've heard that there is, it could be different for women, which makes sense, hormones, all that stuff, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is what nobody's talking about right now that they need to be talking about when it comes to the ketogenic diet, and it goes right back to the fasting argument. Mm-hmm. What is fasting doing? It's putting you into ketosis, right? Yeah. What is the ketogenic diet doing? You're eating fat to get into ketosis. There's two different ways you can get into ketosis, right? Mm-hmm. You can actually technically three. You can exercise your way into it. You can burn all your all your fuel. Mm-hmm. You can change your fuel, or you can not use fuel. Okay. And I've never actually put it that way, but that's literally what, how you how you get there. Or you can actually just consume ketone as fuel. So I guess technically there's four, but that's technically the same thing as eating fat as fuel. It's just a different. It's just you're getting ketones directly. So. When people are doing a ketogenic diet, you're doing the exact same thing that a fasting protocol is sending the signal to your body. You're sending the signal that you're in a famine. So for women in particular, famine is a signal that you basically need to survive. So the thing is is that it seems like, I'm going to say this again, it seems like the women who benefit the most from ketogenic dieting are the ones with insulin resistance. So they're the ones who have the problems with metabolism to the point where like they are not able to use glucose as fuel effectively because their bodies are resistant to it, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're resistant to insulin, you're you're not able to let that glucose into your cell because your cell has shut its door. And if your cell's doors are shut, then like the glucose is in your bloodstream and it's causing all sorts of havoc to your blood levels. You don't want that kind of thing happening in your body because blood sugar that's too high damages the lining of the blood vessels and that damages your heart, that damages your kidneys, that damages your eyes, it damages, you know, all sorts of things, right? So that's problematic. So ketogenic dieting is a great, easy way for somebody who doesn't want to fast to get into ketosis, to lower their blood sugar and to improve their body's metabolic flexibility. But the question is, is at what point do you need to shift back over to carbs? Because like, I think that a really healthy person is not living on fat all the time. A healthy person is living on whatever fuel is available to them and can use and metabolize it. And by fuel, I mean not fake food. That doesn't count, okay? Mm-hmm. Most people like, are eating fake packaged processed food-like substances. That's not fuel. 
your body doesn't understand what that is, it causes all sorts of havoc inside your body, so get on with it. Now, what your body really needs to be in optimal, to your body to be in optimal health, it has to be able to say, okay, I've got carbs in my environment, okay, I've got fat in my environment, I've got protein in my environment, whatever I've got in my environment, I can take, I can use, and I can assimilate into my cells, and I can burn as fuel, and I can use as building blocks, and if that's not happening in some way, then you have to find the fuel that you can use. So for a lot of women who are insulin resistant and can't use glucose effectively, turning to fat is a good way to get their body back in balance. But that doesn't mean that they need to stay there forever. And I think that's where most, most women most women are kind of off, is like this whole idea that like you should stay ketogenic permanently is like not necessarily a good idea. Now at the same time, I think a lot of people are not thinking about the change of our hormones over time. So when women hit menopause, we actually become more insulin resistant naturally. So it actually makes sense for us to start cutting carbs as we get older. To me, carbs are like, when, you're, when your body's young and, and fertile, your body really can use carbs effectively. And that's a signal, like, to me like, think about a ripe fruit. It's like ready, you know, it's ready to be fertile. It's, it's, like, it's kind of like ready to like, be um, torn into. <laughs> I couldn't help it. <laughs> you know, it's like ready to be bit into so they can, yes. so they can propagate. Yes. Now, that, like to me, that's, that's youth, right? It's like you're, you're this ripening fruit. But when you get older, you know, you actually don't want to, in some ways, you don't want to rot, right? Right. And the problem is, is that you don't use carbs as effectively as you get older because your, your insulin output goes down. So as we get older as women we will want to naturally shift towards more ketogenic metabolism, which means we will want to be careful with our carbs. So the problem with, and this is my own experience with going keto, I was doing a hormone test for, for over the course of a month, and I was measuring my hormones every other day. for like I did, I did like 15 different hormone tests in a month, and I saw my hormones tank that month when I was on keto. And so my estrogen went down, my, my progesterone went down, and I, I don't know if I ovulated, but I don't think I did that month because right. my body was like, uh oh, we are we are definitely needing to be in survival survival mode. And so to me, it's like if you have healthy hormones as a woman, you really need to be kind of vigilant about this nutrition stuff because you can change your hormones by what you do with your food. So I actually have had a lot of bodybuilders come to me who are men who've told me. I went keto, I was doing a hardcore bodybuilding regimen, and I really fucked up my body. I went into adrenal fatigue, my thyroid went low, my testosterone went down. I think it can happen to men too. Yeah. I think it's it's like you cannot send the signal of famine for too long or your body's like, fuck it, I'm shutting down. Yeah, totally. No, that's, so, and you know, I mean, look, most people I think that think they're doing the ketogenic diet are probably not even, I don't know. I don't even know, if, are, are they really under, you know, 25 grams? I don't know if it's like 25 or 30, right? To be like fully in keto, ketogenesis, is that, yeah, I mean, is that right? Yeah, I mean, definitely, you definitely, like, the other big problem with keto is that people don't eat enough, people do not eat enough fiber. And so I was yeah. at a party last night and I was talking to this guy and he's like, oh, my knees are killing me. And I'm like, He's like, I've got tendonitis in my knees. And this is a kid whose dad's an orthopedic surgeon, by the way. And I was like, so um, what do you eat? And he's like, why do you ask? I'm like, well, I want to know why your knees are inflamed. <laughs> he's like, I'm keto. And I'm like, well, how many cups of vegetables do you eat per day? And he's like, one. And I'm oh, like, God. try six. Mm. And I'm like, look, dude, you're, eating, you're, pouring, you're pouring meat and fat into a compost bin. 
and you're expecting to grow a garden, that's not happening. Your gut is not happy right now. And so you're inflamed and your joints are feeling it. If you want to heal your joints, you got to heal your gut. And so you're going to need to up your vegetable intake. And frankly, like you can't do that if you're going keto because most of the time, six cups of vegetables won't let you stay keto. Green vegetables, maybe, but like it's tricky. Like I, I, I'm not a big fan of, of keto for that reason because you have to get enough fiber to feed your microbiome. Now, if you have small intestine bacterial overgrowth, Sometimes it can be helpful to kill off some of the bacteria through a ketogenic diet, but mm. I'm not convinced that keto is healthy long-term for most people. I love that. Okay, because I so want to get down on the microbiome subject because it's a big it's a big topic for me. I really, it's funny, I kind of illustrate it like this. I feel like our microbiome, and correct me anywhere, please, but I interpret it as our microbiome is kind of it directs our well-being or it, it's really responsible for our immune system and also, you know, mm-hmm. just even our emotional well-being between, you know, the vagus nerve and how our microbiome communicates to our brain. I mean, I'm learning all this stuff. I've been learning for a while and it's so, and the one thing that it thrives off of is fiber. And so, yeah, yeah so it's like, there's no, I eat more fat than I do carbohydrates in my diet. However, I do not oh, wait, skimp. I, I do. I do too most of the time. Yeah, but the but I don't skimp at all on the vegetables, on the nuts. You know, mm. primarily greens, berries. I probably, I mean, because I do track sometimes just to see for fun. But I'm hitting. Yeah, tell like, me more about what you eat and, and what you do for exercise. I'm like totally fascinated. <laughs> Okay, so diet, there's no meat. I do my animal protein is eggs, organic eggs and then um, and fish, primarily wild salmon and sardines. Those are like the fish that I I really like to go to. Lots of uh, vegetables, um mm-hmm. definitely a plant-based protein powder, no dairy. Again, sugar doesn't even exist and you know, I will say this, like we can go back to 2 years ago. You know, I might have the little occasional you know, whatever, gluten-free, sugar, mm-hmm. like coconut sweetened cookie or whatever. But honestly, I have no desire for it anymore. It's it's almost weird sometimes because it's almost like, wait, don't you want... And it's like, no, I don't. I don't want it. I don't have a craving for it. And I, I feel like that's two things. I feel like my microbiome is literally telling me what to fucking eat. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I've kind of like retrained my body in a way right and so yeah so again what's your favorite protein powder oh my gosh sun warrior classic vanilla i'm hooked on it it's very clean it's there's like four ingredients it's sweetened by they're really solid company yeah well thank you i'm glad that you say that because i i've tried so many others and i make this protein pancake i'll send you the recipe and it's so oh dude it's so easy it's organic egg whites sun warrior vanilla protein powder cinnamon and a little bit of baking powder and then i put frozen wild blueberries on it and coconut oil and it's like it's a party dude Mm. i'm like it's i'm fueled i eat it with avocado too so that's usually how i start my day what about um what about do you do any legumes or grains ever you know what i really don't do grains legumes they haven't really been that active in my diet but i i mean i kind of dip it dip in and out i think the thing i think the what sun war you're made of Brown rice. So, I mean, yeah, I guess that's, that, that is a great, okay. but yeah, I don't tend to, I'm not drawn towards rice. Well, here's the thing. So I'm of Persian descent. So I kind of, <laughs> my mom, like, you know, growing up, there was always rice and it's so good. 
But years ago, I kind of realized that for me personally, and this is just, you know, my experience is like Mm -hmm. rice was kind of like a gateway drug because Mm -hmm. you can have rice, but the amount of rice that you really, that's, you know, healthy to have, it's not the amount of rice that I would be eating with, you know, Persian food and all that. So yeah, I just kind of backed away from it because portion wise, it's hard. It was hard for me to kind of stay within the realm where I'm not spiking my blood sugar and whatnot. But now I don't I don't even crave it at all. It's been so long for me. But I mean, I genuinely crave avocado. I crave kale. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just have you ever heard of the baru nuts? Ha- have you heard of them yet? Baru nuts? What are they? Oh my gosh, I'm going to get these sent to you. B-A-R-U. So Baruka is really the full name, but they're kind of, it's abbreviated to Baru Nuts. And it's new. Oh my God. Is it like Peely Nuts? No. So it's it's different. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to share this with you. I'm totally going to get these sent to you. Oh my God, I'm so stoked. Dude. Yes, please. The fiber content is Five grams per serving. I love when people introduce me to new things. This oh, is the best. Me too. <laughs> it's so fun. Well, it, apparently it's the highest antioxidant nut, the most nutritious nut ever recorded, apparently. And it tastes like wow. if, a, if a cashew and a peanut had a baby, it's the baru nut. It's so cool. good. Yeah. So I'll have them send you some. Um, I live on Oh my them. God, yes. Yeah, dude. It's <laughs> so it's it's so important to have foods that you can kind of... This is how I go about my diet. So throughout the day, I kind of check in with myself. Like, what have you not given yourself that you need to perform optimally? And so it's not, Mm -hmm. it's still romantic because I love food and I love my food. But I don't have this emotional eating thing, which is so fucking liberating because sidestep, I mean... I didn't grow up like this, you know, when I was 17 in Taekwondo, I blew out my knee. I've had three knee surgeries back then, you know, and it was a long time ago. And, you know, I grew up on this, the American diet primarily. I mean, Mm -hmm. and I never had to think about weight or anything like that. I had a fucking eight pack. I was an athlete, a runner. And and then all of a sudden I gained weight and it's like, what the hell is this? And how do I, like, how do I get back to homeostasis? Like, how, how do I get back to myself? And in hindsight, it ended up being, you know, yeah. a, kind of a beautiful thing because it put me on this path that, you know, I've been on that has taught me so much and, and really brought me to a very geeky passion, which is biology and nutrigenomics, you know, and yeah, it's been like a deep love ever since. But yeah, that was a tangent. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Yeah, so going back to how I kind of go about my food, I just, it's like a day-to-day check-in of what have you, not, so if I haven't given myself enough greens in the day, then I make sure that, you know, my dinner, for example, is like super heavy with that or fiber mm-hmm. or whatever. But anyways, that's the diet. And then as far as training is concerned, yeah, it's a lot of different things, primarily Brazilian jiu-jitsu, lots of weightlifting. I love mm-hmm. lifting weights, high intensity interval training. And then I do, I live in front of the beach. So I have like long distance beach runs in the sand, barefoot, you know. Awesome. Get, yeah. So that's, that's my deal. Yoga, hot yoga. Love that shit. Cool. Yeah. yeah. What about great. you? I've been doing Ashtanga yoga and weightlifting these days. That's my bigger, those are the big, and then just like low intensity walking. I need to get a little, I probably need to add like one more day of cardio. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, these seem to be working really well for me. The Ashtanga studio that I go to is unbelievable. I like crave, I just crave going there. Like today, I think I'm going to go to this workshop on handstands and arm stands, which is going to be really hard. <laughs> That's so rad. 
Ashtanga is yeah. difficult, and you have to be very yeah. strong. It's 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 wonderful. You know, it's it's like everybody in the studio is just so chill and yet like hardcore. Mm. <laughs> I love that about the people there. They're just like they're like very laid back, but they're all like just like warriors, you know? Yeah. It's it's badass, and it's like half men, which is really amazing. Like you don't really see yoga studios with so many dudes. Like yeah. this place is. I just love that about it. That's rad. Mine is very similar mm-hmm. too. All my yoga is done in. It's hot yoga, but it's not Bikram. There's like a variety of different classes. They have a class like sculpt class where there's weights, you know, small, not heavy weights, but some weights, some cardio, some yoga. And I really love hyperthermic conditioning. I mean, I study that too and the effects on the brain and, you know, longevity, all that stuff. I mean, I think that we are so in alignment where it's just, you know, this sweet spot of challenging yourself constantly Mm -hmm. to grow. It's so important, right? It's like how we evolved as humans. We're not we didn't fucking evolve from being comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's so cool. Okay, wait. So can we tap into beauty for a minute because again, yes. like I I have to say that is it's so alluring. It's so I love it so much. I love seeing First of all, how you own your beauty, because I think that that is so fucking important and mm-hmm. I don't know, there's just you know, I think a lot of times there's like, oh, be humble. Be It's like, dude, stop with that. Just own it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like society has all this. It's almost like to me, stay small. No, fuck that. Yeah. You know, be a good yeah. human. You like, you know, be conscious. and But don't hold back from owning yourself, you know. And I love totally. that you, I love that you share yourself the way that you do. It's, again, it's really empowering and really inspiring. You're absolutely beautiful. I'm so excited to talk about beauty products that you're creating. Can we get into that? (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, I'm going to just have this caveat to like, I remember being a child and going through puberty and being like, what the fuck is happening to my body? What is happening? Yeah. And my my feet just, just smelled like terrible and my hormones were crazy. And I remember thinking, okay, someday this is all going to get better. Like someday I'm going to figure all of this out. And I remember I got Allure magazine in eighth grade and I was like, oh, beauty is a science I can study. I can figure this out. And like, I, like any, you know, actually I'm not like any, I'm like a really, I was a weird kid. Like I, I, everything was like a scientific project for me. So I remember like becoming like an expert in beauty in my family and I have four sisters and my mom and I started getting interested in makeup and I started getting interested in skincare. And I was like, all of you need to wear sunscreen on your face. All of you need to wear it every day. It's going to keep you from aging. You know, I, I was like, I'm adamant <laughs> about this kind of thing. So I do think wearing all of the sunscreen over the years has been really helpful. But I also think that the beauty industry has got a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And I've probably put my, I, I think I've probably set myself up for a, a much higher cancer risk because of the amount of beauty products I've used in my lifetime. Yeah. And I'm, I, I think I've actually had to do a lot of detox over my over the last few years just because like, I do think that beauty products in the beauty industry is this fascinating and ironic like world where it's all about getting people to be as attractive as possible so they can reproduce. Mm-hmm. But we're probably disrupting our hormones in the process, which is inhibiting our ability to reproduce. So totally. nobody's talking about this. And I kind of want to be on this like crusade to like get people's minds to realize that like, we have an epidemic of autoimmunity and infertility. And I know that there's a relationship to the amount of shit that we put on our bodies. And if we don't get clear about the fact that this is real, 
that we're all in denial about this actual world that we're living in. And it's pretty insane, you know, like I look at the Kardashians and what they do and what they sell and they are selling this like hypersexualized version of beauty mm-hmm. that is all about blowing up your lips, all about blowing up your breasts and your butt and all about injecting your body with things, removing hair, adding makeup, covering your body with scents, trying to be as commercially attractive as you can possibly be. And I think that we're, I, I don't know if it's the right message we should be sending necessarily. Like, so one of the things that I got really interested in was how do I start really, really looking at my bathroom and getting clear about the stuff I'm putting on my body and really starting to phase out over time all these things that I'm putting on my body that probably aren't good for me. So I stopped using body lotions and started using body oils. I started using products like Vintner's Daughter and I stopped using lots of lots of chemical um, beauty products. And then I started using different soaps and I started using more natural soaps instead of using body washes. And then started looking at my shampoos and I still haven't found the right natural shampoos yet, but I found that like hair products are probably the hardest thing to phase out just because like the best ones that I like are like the highest, like these Italian brands that I really, really love and I just like, fuck, they work so well. I know. Uh, You know, Bumble and Bumble also works really well, but there's a bunch of other stuff in it. So, so then I got to my skin and I said, okay, what is actually in these products that really work for me? And and, because all my friends were asking me like, what are you using on your skin? And I said, all right, I'm using these, these products. And then I said, you know what? I think I can do better than these products. So, I started doing research, I started going to Sephora, I started making spreadsheets. And I started going through all the different face oils and what were all the ingredients and why were they in them and what were the marketing claims. And then I started actually digging into the science behind each product. And then I started dabbling and I started, and then I I came up with my own potential formula and I got together with some girlfriends that we all started hanging out in the kitchen, making our own little formulas. And I came up with this formula in like, you know, in an afternoon Mm -hmm. and we all used it. And everybody was like, Molly, like, what is in this? Oh my gosh. I <laughs> and they asked me for the formula and I was like, no, nope, I'm sorry. I can't give it to you because it's so good. <laughs> and, and then I, you know, I was on vacation with my family and I, and I had my sister Maddie who'd been following me on Instagram. She started using it for a week twice a day. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Molly, my skin is cleared up in one week. Like, look at my skin. Yeah. She's like, you have to get me a sample of this. So now I'm at this point where I'm actually this afternoon to be making my second batch I'm going to be making one slight change to the formula because my original formula had emu oil. So emu oil is like from this bird. <laughs> so a lot of vegans and vegetarians are like, nope, Got not it. putting anything from a bird on my on my skin. And I was like, oh, damn it. It's so good. But it is like a really like expensive um, thing to put on your skin is like emu oil. But look, I'm going to test out the second version with hemp oil instead of emu oil. There's actually like 15 different oils. There's two absolutes. There's hyperpotent stabilized vitamin C and then there's three different extracts so an oil-based extract so so, it's a serum essentially right it's a serum okay for sure but the thing is is like I've started using it and I'm actually going to make two different versions I'm going to make one with sunscreen and one without sunscreen okay and I'm going to give everybody who's testing it the option to try both of them because I want to see what they think because like maybe there's daytime maybe there's nighttime but you know generally speaking I've been like really pleasantly surprised at how much it's minimized my bathroom routine. Like, I would say my skin's more even, I've got fewer wrinkles, I've got better, I, I don't break out as much. Mm-hmm. And like, those are the main things that I care about. And then also like, I do think it helps boost collagen, just cause my skin feels, it just feels like firmer. 
So, you know, it's what I designed it to do. And I was like pretty pleasantly surprised that it worked. Well, I am so excited about what you're going to create. And I've told you, but I'm so behind you. I love you to Oh, yeah, totally. And I mean, is that just kind of like a starting point? Do you have other ideas for beauty products? Um, I want to make a face soap. I'm waiting to get some. I've got olive oil and lye coming in the mail. And How fun. You know, I'm going to make my own actual soap. Like, I learned how to make soap on YouTube. I realized that, like, you can put so many cool things in soap. And so I was doing all this research in soap, and soap is really basic, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, because I'm about to go to Burning Man again for, like, eight times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You have to really protect your skin when you you go to Burning Man. And the sand there is, like, really, really, really basic. So I'm actually making my own lotion. And I'm putting glycolic acid in my lotion at like maybe 2%, mm-hmm. 2 to 3%, because I want to neutralize the basic dust that's going to be all coating my skin, essentially. And so I'm really excited to make like body lotion and uh, face soap. That's so exciting. Right yeah. on. Damn. You're an alchemist. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I'm a scientist at heart. And yes. that's what's like so freaking satisfying about my life right now is like, I'm a clinician, I'm a scientist, I'm an alchemist. Some people call me a sorceress. (laughs) So, you know. That's rad and an empowered, inspiring woman. I love it. Let me. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'm like, you don't know it yet, but I'm pursuing a friendship here too. (laughs) Oh, I want to be friends with you. You're great. Where are you based, by the way? What's that? Where are you based? I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. I'm going to be in LA in like two weeks. Are you really? We need or like to a, a week. I, we should hang out. I would love that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually going to be in SF next week and the week after too. But yeah, let's I got we need to hang. Yeah, I'm so excited about it. There's and yeah, well, I'm going to continue that conversation when we're done with our podcast. But you know what? I recently listened to another podcast with you. Oh man, I'm forgetting the name of. They make ketones, um, androgynous. Oh, human, human, yeah. Yes, and it was so good. And there was a little piece in there that got me really excited molly you fucking starting a podcast i am starting a podcast yes Yes. i'm really struggling with the name right now because like i have all these provocative names and then i have like more mass market names okay and i'm trying to figure out what i'm going to call it because i want to call it i mean my sister told me i should just call it dr molly talks because it's like gonna reach a bigger audience yeah but i wanted to call it food sex and dr molly (laughs) yes you know, because like those are my, yeah, but like I do talk a lot about health and technology as well. So it like would kind of leave those out. So it might just be Dr. Molly talks and in the info, it's going to be, you know, health, tech, food, sex, how do we adapt, evolve, thrive, you know, things like that. So I'll, I'll send you the blurb and let you, know, you have to let me know what you think. Yeah. I love that. I totally, I get where you're going with that too. Cause have you ever listened to the podcast sex with Emily? <laughs> yeah. I mean like people love that, right? Like yeah. people love well, it's her- imp- it's important. You know, I think it's a sex is just an interesting topic. You know, it's like, it's almost like taboo. And I mean, what the fuck, but it's not. Well, I'm not really talking about sex from like a sex expert perspective. And as much as I'm like talking about it from like a biological perspective okay, and so like, I'm not, I'm not like a relationship expert, but I do know a lot about how bodies work. Well, that's, I'm kind of bridging both in the sense of just a conversation about it here, but yes, you're right. And I think that, I think it's an important, element to optimizing health to living Mm -hmm. a fulfilled life i just feel like that subject from your perspective and even the other perspective is so relevant to 
the goal of living your best life, you know, living your most healthy life. So yeah, I'll give you my thoughts um, when you send me that. But oh man, so many exciting things. Can I ask you, what's challenging you the most right now um, in your line of work? Mm, What's challenging me the most? Hmm. And what do you mean? Like define challenging, like um, intellectually challenging or like, I mean, I'm like a, I'm like a textbook ADD person. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I think is the most challenging thing is like the fact that I don't seem to be able to thrive without doing multiple things at once. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, I've got my practice. I've got, I'm working with a startup. I've got this podcast I'm starting. I've got this um, skincare company and I do like, I teach on retreats. And so I've got a lot of projects and I think the thing that in the beginning of the year that was most challenging to me was I didn't know how to ask for help with everything. And so I started asking for help and it's actually been amazing how much easier things are are getting in general. So like what I'm kind of astonished by is that a lot of my challenges are actually being met by the fact that I have people people around me that are helping me. And so I'm feeling pretty good Probably not, like, I think dating is actually kind of a challenge, probably, like, my biggest challenge, because, like, it's kind of a time suck, A, and B, like, it's just, San Francisco's a weird place to date, like, people are strange. (laughs) Yeah, well, and it's probably, I mean, I imagine, you know, you're a very whole woman, you know, you got your shit together, I feel like how I receive you is you're pretty confident, and you know who you are, and you've got a lot of things going on, and my take on this you is that you need a real fucking man and authenticity and also like a real man like someone you know i feel like day to day my energy is very masculine right and what i mean by that is i'm very similar to you i'm a podcast host celebrity makeup artist about to be certified coach life performance coach is is going to be the avenue that i'm focused on you know i have my brand blackwell beauty thank you yeah so it's like i have and all of it is relevant I, how i frame it is i have this kind of ecosystem that i'm building and mm-hmm. everything connects right and i can't yep. ignore one thing you know and to just focus on the other it's just it's all about and i'm an athlete like by way of life right yeah. so and that and yeah. that that's not negotiable there's no like oh i'm not going to do it today and like no you're going to be fucking organized and make sure that you get it all done and every single day my energy is very it's led very ma- by my masculine energy so it's like you know making important decisions and creating all this stuff that i'm doing and yet I'm very feminine and I feel like when I'm in the presence of, you know, the man that I love and I, it's like, I get to just kind of relax and be, and all my feminine energy gets, Mm, you know, gets to be the dominant energy and the masculine energy in me, which I love and value and is so important, gets to just like chill out, which is so important. I feel like there might be a similarity where it's like, you need, you know, you want to have someone who can let that energy within you kind of just yeah take a break for a moment because yeah it's, yeah it's not, yeah and it's not 100 percent agree 100 percent. like that's that would be great yeah <laughs> um, well, it will be but you know it's, it's not that i haven't met amazing men or haven't dated amazing men i think my one of my bigger issues is also just and, and i'm not trying to shoot my own horn but like i really 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 find intellectual caliber the sexiest thing hell yeah and i need somebody who just keeps me my brain engaged because I get really bored and that's maybe my problem, I guess. But, um, 
every guy that I date and I really seriously date, it's like literally one step closer to really what I'm looking for. And I feel really confident that I'm sort of honing in completely on what I really need. So I'm just looking forward to like finding that person. Yeah, I believe in that so much. And I think that the deeper that we connect with ourselves and we, you know, we come into ourselves and we become more, how do I say this? I just feel like we can summon that person yeah. easily or more easily when we have that kind of deeper connection to self. So yeah, I I mean, it's coming for you. And yeah, intellect is so damn sexy. For me, it's like mm-hmm. in, intellect and authority. I don't fucking gotta have... <laughs> Yes. Got to be a man of authority because I am an alpha female and I want an alpha yes. male so I could just like not be alpha. <laughs> totally agree. Right. So it's totally it's, it's a fun subject. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I'm so grateful. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to throw out there before we wrap no, up? No, this is, I mean, this has been really, really fun. We should do this again. I would love that so much. I would love to do a podcast when we're actually in the same space because I feel like that would just be amazing. So we got to make that happen for sure. Yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Can you tell our listeners where to keep up with you online? How to follow you? Sure. I'm drmolly.co, D-R-M-O-L-L-Y.co, both on Instagram, on the internet, and Molly Maloof MD on Twitter. And that's probably pretty much the best place to find me. Amazing. Yeah. Your stories, your Instagram. I love it so much. So you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I will have all of her information in the show notes. Make sure that you follow her and thanks so much for everything again, Molly. Great to meet you. Bye guys. Thanks for taking the time to check out this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please share it with your friends. Head over to iTunes, subscribe to this podcast, rate it, leave me an honest review. Let's connect. I am so excited to do that in this space and really create content that elevates your mind in support of your best performance in life. You can find me on Instagram at blackbeltbeauty. I'm active there every single day and I look forward to connecting with you all. So thanks again and I'll catch you on the next one.